0: You're listening to Feed Play Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When was the last time you sat down with a group of friends and had a long, uninterrupted conversation about something other than sleep patterns and punamis? Bonding over parenthood is great, but what about conversations that delve into the very stuff of life? Things like infidelity, ageing, childhood memories. Doris Brett and Kerry Q rediscovered the magic of real and meaningful conversations. They started holding salons in Melbourne, where a group of women were given a topic like serendipity or what it means to be true to themselves, and then they came together and talked most importantly, perhaps, they also listened. Doris and Kerry have collated some of the stories for their joint book. It's called The Sunday Story Club. Welcome, ladies. How are you? Hello. Lovely to be here.
1: Hello, Siobhan.
0: Hello. Doris, you're a clinical psychologist and Kerry, you're a mathematician. Both of you are also writers. How do a psychologist and a mathematician come to create this kind of gathering? By
2: sheer chance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the, the longer story version is that um, we met online. I, uh, Doris, had written a book, um, a memoir called The Twelfth Raven, and I'd started a, a blog called Sybil X to sort of smash stereotypes for women. And I reviewed her book on the on the blog, and uh, sent her a link. And after that, we got together, and uh,
2: we discovered we were actually very, very different people, but. The thing that we had in common was that we really were sick of chit-chat and meaningless conversation, and that's where Did the idea small came talk. from. No, small talk. well, we were bored with it.
1: Yeah. And, and I think um, the, the salon is not just a, a topic, it's a question that actually makes you think that they're unusual or quirky, so that you're not uh, just addressing one little issue, and that is just so brilliant and it's brilliant for parents because I know they they don't get to finish sentences half the time so <laughs> no. to have a little space where you think and also listen is it's it's re-energizing I mean it's part of I mean I'm, I'm identifying and remembering we're both parents and remember mm. what it was like to be have young children and And you don't get a chance to think.
2: Well, I think the thing that we did with the discussion questions, we made them questions that came from somewhat outside the box, and they made you think about the stories in your own life, the themes, the narrative, you know, what drove you, what you wanted to do and what you did, even though you didn't want to do it, and... We felt very strongly that these are the things that are important in lives. We don't get the chance to even sit down and think about them, let, let alone talk about them. Because you
0: did um, choose to do these a little bit differently. I mean, many people will think of the salons of the French um, in the 18th century where they mm. kind of discussed philosophy or politics. You chose to um, pick different things. Can you talk to me a bit about what you chose and why you chose them?
2: Well... What we wanted to do was to really explore our inner lives because I think today's world is so much about outer things, about brief, quick, hurried, glitzy, tizzied up, uh, beautified things. And we wanted to talk about the real stuff, the authentic stuff, the failures, the sadnesses, as well as the triumphs and the learning.
1: Yeah, and so a question might be, and um, this came out of the fact that Doris and I, when we were writing the book, were actually fighting, weren't we, Doris? We have to admit it. <laughs> we we were not getting on, and it was it was really interesting because um, Doris had said to me, you know, the book should be written, da da da, and all I heard was blah blah blah, and I took it as criticism, and I, I'm my response to that was like. I've written for newspapers for thirty years and I've written twenty books don't tell me how to write and we were at loggerheads, weren't we, Doris for mm, a absolutely. number of months yes. and then Doris came up with this brilliant idea <laughs> a little bit sneaky but brilliant <laughs> she put a question in in the next salon which was what role has criticism played in your life and has criticism either given or received ever had a major impact on you and so in the salon we sit and we listen. It's only, it only runs for two and a half hours mm. with mm. A, you know, a break. So it's, it's not a long time. It's a time that can be found.
2: Um, but in that salon, well, you you explain what you said. Well, I, I explained. I've also written quite a few books. And I started off as a poetry writer, poetry books. And... When you go to poetry workshops, you've got to be prepared to leave your ego at the door. Otherwise, you're going to get carried out in a straitjacket. <laughs> and so I'm well, well, well used to criticism and and also book editors. And what my approach is, is first of all, I think it's great that someone's taking the trouble to read and think about my words. And If what they say has value, that's fantastic. And if I don't agree with it, the fact that I've got to put my thoughts into words and conceptualise it is helpful to me too. So I see it as win-win. My take
1: was totally different because I've written for newspapers around Australia, I've had over 100 newspaper editors, and mostly I hate them because there's no discussion, they just change things, cut things out, and and put your name on it, and they often make me boring, and and I have a great resistance to that, Um, but... Well, you have to fight. In, in fact, that's what it is. So we we were fighting. Um, well,
2: I was trying to talk. And
1: you, you were saying, <laughs> Doris. I'm going to fight Doris you. says that, but we're different people. I viewed it <laughs> as fighting. So you see, that's and that's the difference. But it it was it was funny after that discussion. And I talked about you know how you know they change your words. And even though I'd written funny articles like I've been, you know, the um, Aussie superhero, Redback Spider-Man and, uh, you know, an unemployed goddess, and they still muck around with your words. Uh, A week after um, the salon, I I rang Doris and said, oh, you know, Doris, I think um, these stories have to be written up like short stories to put in the heart and the soul and the magic. And Doris said,
2: that's what I've been trying to tell you (laughs) for the
1: last two months. (laughs) So it was interesting that coming at it in a in, a, in where you one had to listen, but also sideways. We weren't criticising each other. We were just talking about how you view the same situation. criticism yeah, yeah. A- affects you. And
2: for me, I had no idea why Kerry was reacting the way she was. My experience was that every time I tried to talk about how the story should be written. It was like being attacked by a pit bull. And I I didn't understand why. And I knew she was very angry. I got very angry too. And in the salon, suddenly I understood why Kerry was reacting the way she was. And...
0: Which you, I mean, uh, what you're also giving people is a space to reflect. So Mm. when you're talking about this situation and and the question that you asked the women that came to the salon was, you know, how has criticism affected Mm. you in your life? Um, And what you were saying before, Doris, is we don't get time to reflect. I know as a mother uh, working with two children and a partner... I have no time for reflection in my life. And I think it's to our detriment.
2: Totally. And what what you find and certainly what we have found and, and everyone, I think, who comes to the salons is that you have an experience and then you go on and life happens all the time. And you think you know what that experience was about. But when you actually think. Have to put it into words, all kinds of other things emerge patterns, things you didn't see, and it's quite extraordinary. And and it's often really surprising what you suddenly see in having to put it into words and give it a shape.
1: And a really important thing is that the questions are designed to open up a conversation which is non judgmental and non competitive. Now, anyone in the parenting zone knows. Parenting's competitive today, you know. Yes. My child, you know, is, mm. I, I've had a parent when my kids were little, 10 months old, and they said they'd already read five books. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly.
0: They were lying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mine had chewed five books.
0: <laughs> Sounds much more developmentally appropriate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens. And, and this is a space which is free of that. And I think it's nourishing, isn't it? For
2: the- Extremely. And energising.
0: And is this a salon just for women?
2: Well, it doesn't have to be. Uh, we just happened to decide that we would pick an age range from 40 up. But it could be for teenagers. It could be for, well, I was going to say the elderly, but I guess some people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Gets> all <laughs> in the eye of the beholder,
1: thank that's you. That's right. Well, you know, I... I um, talk about my son being a man, a few words. And just to give you an example, you know, I'd pick him up from primary school uh, and ask, you know, what'd you do? What'd you do at school today? Nothing. This went on for about six years. You know, (laughs) I I really thought they must have drugged him for six hours and then I picked him up. And I, I was so sorry this wasn't available during those school years to start conversations that were not like an Inquisition, like anything I asked him about school was, his, you know, right through school. Might I say, was as if I, were, I had him up against the wall with the lights on him and I'd see you know, <laughs> Spanish Inquisition or something, you know. But a sideways questions, well, a what, what, question that's imaginative, Doris. Well, you... one of one
2: of the. One of the things that happens, by the way, is our, our salon members go home and they start telling the family at dinner time. And we have eight-year-olds mm. answering the mm. questions. Um, one of the questions that I think um, one of the eight-year-olds got very interested in was if you had the chance to either go back in time or go into some fantasy land for one week to learn something from anyone at all, what would you learn and who would you learn it from?
1: Oh, love that question. And you said, so you'll learn about your children by this indir- indirect mm. pathway because they're, it's not something they have to perform to please you. You know, mm. it's it's more exploratory. And I think um, I, I really do wish this concept was around for, well, we for my do, kids.
0: I do feel like, um, you know, sometimes you get it. Someone said to me the other day, um, in the lives that we leave, our children lead. Our children become lists on the, a number on the to-do yes, list. Yeah, and then yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually conversing yeah, with them is yeah. one of the
2: biggest joys of parenthood. Yes. And,
0: yes. and discovering yes, who they yeah, are yeah. as soon as they can talk. <laughs> well,
2: well, that's right. One, one of the other questions that the kids love is the fairy godmother has managed to make it to your birth and she can bestow upon you one gift and one gift only. What do you want it to be? And then you have kids thinking, I want to be beautiful, I want to be powerful. All these things come out that you can talk about.
1: And ask them why. And like one mm. gift, why beauty? Would would it yeah. really be a good idea, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, there's other things that yes. can happen. And what would a gain you? Yeah. 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 yeah, I love this. Yeah. I can see yeah. like
0: mini salons mm. for mm. kids mm. popping up. Um, Doris, telling our stories can feel cathartic and healing. Mm. Is there any reason, and I'm thinking here from a psychological mm. perspective, why that happens? Why telling our stories
2: can feel that way? Well, I think there are two things. First of all, The brain has been described by neuroscientists as a story-making machine. It's how we make meaning of the world and ourselves. And I think, too, that we're also hard... We're hardwired to be social animals. We're hardwired to connect with people. Uh, We're hardwired to try to understand them because we, we had to. Any social animal has to. And I think that what telling the stories do is both of those things. They certainly connect you with people and they connect you past any of the I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Labor voter, you know, I'm white, I'm black. They connect you way past any of those things as people one-to-one. And the other thing they do is they really help you understand not just the other person but yourself. I mean, we have been staggered because Friends who've been really close friends for 20 years. One of them tells a story in the salon, and the other friend is saying, "What? That happened to you? <laughs> and it's amazing."
1: And and it's really um, an important part of the salon that we don't. We've avoided stereotypes, so we we, we ha- always have a stranger in there because that makes people. Um, oh, and often or total strangers, but that people. That helps people respond in a different way. But more importantly, that we we don't introduce ourselves along the lines, hello, my name's Angie, I'm married with two children, blah, blah, blah. What happens is it closes people down. We we had that happen by mistake at one salon, and it was just extraordinary. It took such an effort to get people back. So now what we do is we say just... um, Please introduce yourself by stating your first name and answering a, a, a spontaneous icebreaker question, and they they can be funny. I'll I'll, I'll tell you one is you know, um, the James Bond franchise has expanded to include Jane Bond. <laughs> Imagine your Jane Bond going on a mission. What one item for? <laughs>
2: Would for you your use, Q? would you requisition yes, from Q? I, <laughs> I can tell you my answer, James Bond. <laughs> I,
1: and I don't think that was for his spying skills. I'm very definite about that. But another answer was, you know, I, I want an extendable hand so I can reach out and slap idiots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good it's So, but it,
1: so it, it makes a difference that you're not putting yourself in a category. It really is important. Yeah. And but
2: I, if it, I can just yeah. say, we chose to always have people who don't know each other very well in our mm. groups. But the groups work equally well with a group of friends who've known each other for years. Mm. Um, that was just our choice. Mm. And uh, we've had someone run groups with a group of friends. And it's, it's been really fantastic. That You know, it was actually their book group club and... So then you would be one. And what happened was all this amazing stuff started coming, wonderful stories that no one had ever known about.
0: Now, you're using the book as a way to encourage others to start their own salons. Why is it important for you? I mean, obviously, you've enjoyed the experience doing it with um, each other Mm. in a group and and inviting a group in. But why not just stick with that? Why why did you want to
2: spread the word? Well, I think what happened, we, we always thought it would be a wonderful thing, but we were blown away. Everyone was blown away by how extraordinary it was. There was just so much energy. People just went home effervescing and thinking about the questions. And we just thought, if more people did this in the world, because when you're talking about your life in a a way that's personal, in a way that's face-to-face... All that polarization and disconnection and sound bites and glamour just goes by the wayside. You cut right through it, and I, we both strongly believe that's what we need in our world. And and this one of the significant things and why the
1: salon works is we set it aside time to listen. Now the problem is even in a face to face conversation today they may not be listening. You know what they're doing? They're looking down, scrolling through something on their <laughs> yes. phone. You know, yes. you feel like you should text them, you know, I'm talking to you, angry face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the situation. And I think there is a great craving for that deeper um, meaning and conversation. Mm. So, And it's a deeper connection. So you know, it is like the Facebook friend people. You know, you, you, are you really friends? Whereas when you sit down and listen to stories, and as Doris was saying, it can be strangers, um, mm. which we set out to do, but in fact, it can be a group that knows each other but doesn't. That's that's the the key to it, isn't it? They, they, they really talk about things. And, you know, especially young parents, you know what they're going to be talking about. But to actually talk
2: about a deeper topics is is refreshing. And I think it's not just the group that doesn't know each other. I mean, we think we know ourselves. <laughs> and amazing things emerge from our sort of thinking and reflecting on what the questions mean to us. We We are constantly surprising ourselves with what comes out.
0: Well, it is um, it is such a fascinating idea. And I've got to say the book is really easy to read. There's lots of short stories oh, with the questions there that I'm assuming people can take
2: and use in their own salons. Oh, totally. Oh, yes. well, the <laughs> book is set out, so it's got the stories, but the second half of the book tells people exactly how to run their own salons. And we've got 40 discussion questions that they can pick from. We've got how to do the timing, everything, because that's what we want people yeah. to do. It's very important to get but- the guide and all the stories are real
1: stories from our salon. Yeah. So they're the real lives. And what, we were just gobsmacked by it. And often members in the salon are surprised themselves at, at the responses. I mean, we've had um, one sto- you know, a club member uh, say that she went over, you know, travelled overseas with a daughter and everyone said, oh, you're so brave. And she was surprised. Surprised she was hitchhiking with a disabled daughter in a wheelchair. Wow. How wow is that? That's I mean, incredible. really. And, you know, we didn't know. And it was just gobsmacking to sit and listen to that, you know. And she was surprised that she was brave. So that was such a great feedback.
0: Yeah, interesting. Doris, Kerry, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Yep, Thank you, Shabon. That's Doris Brett and Kerry Q. They're the co-authors or co-collators of the Sunday Story Club. We'll put links to where you can find a copy of the book in the notes of this episode. Next time on Feed Play Love, we have the much loved Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue, answering all your questions. So you take out yogurt, cheese, whole milk, like, you know, milk you put on your cereal and your tea and your coffee. It's quite dramatic. And also milk chocolate. Oh, what? <laughs> so this is a bit much. It's not even worth it, is it? Don't forget to email your questions to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This podcast is produced by Debbie Ning. See you next time.